We've got episode number two of the Elevation Sports Performance Podcast. Uh, today we interviewed Tanner Rockwell uh, from Southern Arkansas University Tech in Camden, Arkansas. He's, he just took the head coaching job down there, and they're a first-year program that is starting starting competition in next fall in 2022. This is a really awesome podcast that gives a lot of perspective on high school athletes, uh, college athletes. It gives perspective on going from high school to college, from co- from from junior college to the Division One level. It goes from going from high school to the Division Two level, from the Division Two level to the junior college level. It talks about mental emotional stuff. It talks about materialistic stuff. There's a lot of good information in here. Um, the uh, this is a long one. They're about an hour and fifty minutes worth. So. If you uh, if you've got some extra time, it'd be good to listen. Um, if not, we'll have some sound sound clips to put on uh, put on Twitter and Facebook here here very soon. Also, if you're looking for advertising opportunities on our podcast, shoot us an email at info at elevationsportsperformance.com. All right, uh, who are you? Where are you from? How'd you get there? Okay, so Tanner Rockwell, I'm head coach over at Southern Arkansas Tech. The, uh, I'm from around Central Arkansas area, and parents are from around Central Michigan. My guess route into coaching was kind of an odd one, but I was actually I was playing a little bit after college and was trying to rehab an injury to get back into playing, and was working at an indoor facility. And guy came up to me and asked if I'd be interested in taking the head coaching job over at the junior college I played at. And to be honest, I hadn't thought too much about getting into coaching. It never really crossed my mind. And within about a week, it turned from those conversations to me taking the job at 23, 24 years old and kind of figuring out everything on the fly. Um, let's lean in. Let's lean into uh, let's lean into high school a little bit first. Um, you know, what'd you what what position did you play in high school and um you know how how'd you where'd you go from high school yeah so in high school pretty much played shortstop full-time that i wasn't pitching uh it was a it's just one of those things that I, I know especially in high school a lot it depends on it depends on a, a few different reasons but usually the uh the team around you whoever fits in the best place i mean not everybody's always a natural position at where they're playing but i kind of grew up playing shortstop my whole life and kind of stuck there through throughout high school and got into college recruiting and that that was kind of the plan was to stick at shortstop and always was just fortunate enough to have a good arm and was always able to stay on the mound but once I got into college, uh, it was uh, it's kind of a last-minute decision, but was was committed to verbally committed to play over at Seminole State up in Oklahoma. Uh, I think they were ranked third in the country at the time uh, in junior college, and real late in the summer, I was playing a summer, just random summer game, and coach from Arkansas Tech came and watched me play, and it was a game that I was pitching and hitting in, and 
had had one just one of those days had hit a few home runs and i think pitched six or seven innings and got offered a really good scholarship and had a lot of friends and colleagues that were that were set to go there and i felt a lot more uh I guess at home would be the right right way to put it to uh, to go there and kind of change my mind last minute and went to Arkansas Tech. So uh, it let, was uh, there's a there's there's a lot there to to lean into. Um, first thing I mean, for those for those that don't know, Rockwell and I played uh, played high school together, um, and we uh, we let's talk about how much different recruiting is now versus when you and I were being recruited. I mean, um, mm-hmm. when I, when I was recruited, we didn't have PBR or anything like that. Um, you know, you were a few years behind me. What, what was the social media landscape like when you, when, when you were going through that process? Well, I mean, I remember, I, I joke about it, but I vividly remember my senior year of high school. I didn't even know, what Twitter was at the time. I remember I was actually sitting in a, in a classroom in third period and we were just sitting around killing time and had somebody in class was talking about Twitter and I really had no, no clue what it was. And Facebook was kind of the only social media that was around that and everybody was, was using back then. And there wasn't really a, you know, specific model for how people were using it. It was just kind of the only social media available. And you were getting, I mean, you were posting pictures, statuses, just anything and everything, and which now has kind of been spread out a little bit with, you know, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and everything's kind of got its own little niche. Were you using that for for recruiting at all or – or Absolutely. I mean, because I mean, for for me, we like we. I don't even know if we thought about using Facebook for recruiting or mm-hmm. or any anything like that. Were were you using that for recruiting at all, or you know, how were you getting your looks, or you know, and I, I, how, yeah. how 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 did that happen? Yeah. So back then, it was kind of uh, it was mostly word of mouth. Uh, a lot of you know schools that contacted me most had some division one interest, but it was, I think everybody was kind of on the same page that nobody had really seen me play on a even playing field, I guess would be the best way to put it. It was high school. The the change between high school and college baseball from top to bottom is just night and day different. And it was one of those things that always came pretty easy to me. I mean, we played in a, fairly good high school you know division and classification but it was one of those things that you know you never really got it got challenged uh, a whole lot so you know in my head that I was you know good enough to play wherever but it was a uh, recruiting was a lot different back then because nobody really knew unless I think at the time the only real travel organization that was uh, that was really traveling around playing in big tournaments was the Arkansas Express. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a whole lot of information out about, I mean, just flying out about it. I just knew that they were, you know, had a bunch of good players and, you know, some of them were going to big schools and things like that. But I didn't really, it, it just wasn't the same back then as it was now. There was no prep baseball report that was 
you know, being able to hold showcases and travel team in every, in every city. And <laughs> you just have, you know, all your metrics that are online and it's, it makes things a lot easier and video attached to your name every time that, you know, you go to an event and I mean, these huge, you know, summer showcases that uh, like what I was saying, you may go to a high school game and be able to watch one, possibly two guys. You can go to, you know, a five tool event or, uh, a 2D event down in you know, Texas, down in the Dallas-Houston area where there's just unlimited amount of fields. And you can realistically put eyes on, I mean, not not really an exaggeration. I mean, up to you know, 50, 60 guys in a day that are, from a talent perspective, make sense of playing college baseball. So yeah. it's uh, – but I, 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 I tell everybody that uh, – that asks any advice about it. it when you're talking about trying to help yourself out in recruiting i think you are crazy to not be tapping into social media and posting videos and posting you know if you're a pitcher your your numbers or velocity and things like that because it is it's made life a lot easier on college coaches that's for sure just because you know we're getting to see it right in front of our face it's also one of those things where we get uh, i would i would i would put a number probably say at least half a dozen players a day send you know, a video a recruiting pitch to your email whether it's a mass message or personal either one uh every single day so i mean you're just seeing a lot of videos so you can kind of uh, you can kind of put perspective on on what looks good and what doesn't, and I mean you can you can tell after once you get into this far into coaching what what works and what doesn't. Hundred percent, one hundred percent. So let's go. Let, you know, I want to talk a little bit about more a little bit more about your your. Um, you know, you said you had went to Arkansas Tech and then went to uh, junior college after that. Um, mm-hmm. You know what that's something that happens a lot. Uh, what kind of, can you kind of walk us through that and, and, um, and whether you think that was a benefit for you or, um, and, and just, just walk us kind of walk us through that. Yeah. So, uh, going into Arkansas tech, it was, it was one of those things that from, uh, I guess, a comfort standpoint and kind of a materialistic standpoint, I think everything, you know, made perfect sense. I mean, it was a great school, and it had a lot of success. And uh, hey, let's hold, let's hold right let's hold right there for a second. Uh, you said something. this part of our podcast could be brought to you by your very own business. We've had a lot of engagement already, and we are and we are planning on growing as much as we can. If you're interested in getting your getting your ad on our podcast, please shoot me over an email at info at elevationsportsperformance.com. That is I-N-F-O at elevationsportsperformance.com. Can you see both sides of that picture now? Um, mm-hmm. and, and how would and, – and, um, like in, in your response, I want you – if you can, kind of talk about that – the materialistic side of everything as well. Yeah. And I, I fully get it. It's not a, uh, it's not something that I you know, judge high school kids or anything like that for, especially in today's age where, I mean, there's just a lot more money 
being put into baseball. You've got mm-hmm. a lot of high schools and school districts that are putting a lot of money into these fields and um, fields and jerseys and all kinds of equipment and everything like that. So, and at 17, 18 years old, that stuff matters a lot more to you than, I mean, once you start getting older, but it definitely, it definitely matters. 100%. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it that kids that are going to play, especially younger guys, I mean, they want to look the part and they want, they want all that, which is something that I've put into perspective. I don't shy away from. And I mean, my time at Washita, we made it a point to, you know, try to get, and, and we used the guys a little bit too to get their input and, you know, see exactly what they were thinking too. But we want these guys to feel comfortable and feel like they're, uh, feel like they're wanted and important and everything under the sun with, with things like that. But from once it kind of gets down into the baseball side of it, that stuff kind of goes out the door. And I learned that one really quick. I mean, the, when I was playing junior college, I mean, we, we had a home field to play, you know, play practice or to play our games on in the spring. But as far as practice, I mean, we kind of jumped around, practiced a few different places. Uh, we're living off campus in apartments. There, there was just a lot of, a lot of things that kind of take for granted that were kind of taken away from you. Uh, right then and there when I made that change and, and really it was the, the change in scenery was more of a, I mean, I put as much you know blame on myself as anything because I had a lot of false expectations probably going in at 18 years old, uh, hot shot shortstop that hadn't really, you know, struggled before and, you know, really played at that level of everybody being, you know, a good player like that before. So in my mind going in, it was like a, I'm going to go to this four-year school and jump right in the mix of things, play shortstop, and have these four great years and um, and be comfortable doing it. That's just not the in, – in the grand scheme of things, when people do their job in coaching, I mean, every class should be having a few guys that can, uh, they can go play shortstop or go play you know, third base and so on and so forth that – if you've been there a little while, I mean, having short or having a freshman come in there and start from the get-go in the in the field, which it happens at times. I mean, there's don't get me wrong, there's kids that um, that stick out and figure out the game a lot quicker than others that can realistically jump into a four-year school's lineup right away and kind of play a part, but. For the most part, it's just not a. It's just not something that's that's very common. I've been around a few levels of it, and I've seen a few freshmen get some, you know, get some action in there. But for the most part, I mean, it takes a. There's a little little time period where these guys got to get adjusted to the games, the speed of the game, but also all the nuances of the game too, because the baseball IQ and just the little subtleties of the game become a lot more important once you get into college and that you kind of learn by being out there. You don't, you kind of don't learn from just sitting around thinking about it or or watching it. You learn from 
being in the fire and seeing it up close and seeing exactly why some things are done certain ways. So uh, that's kind of the big learning curve for freshmen. It's not always, a, most of the time, it's not a talent thing. I mean, if you're you're doing your job the, the way that uh, you're supposed to, I mean, getting talented players is, uh, is one of those things that, that you're striving for. And in today's world with, know COVID rosters and everything like that there's a lot of talented baseball players out there that are still available so fine finding guys that are talented and can play I wouldn't say is the most hard uh, most difficult thing to do it's more of finding kids that are talented but also you know have some of those other intangibles and kind of the attitude to be able to handle a number of different things while also being able to produce in the games, not just, you know, look good in and out and being able to throw it hard in bullpens and, you know, hit it a long way in in BP. Man, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. I I love the perspective of the, the uh, incoming freshmen. Um, You know, the, um, let's talk about, you know, and, 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 we're going to move on. We're going to move on from, you know, I, what I'm trying to do is use your career to kind of, kind of help, help give some perspective to what kids can expect, what, you know, and some of the challenges, challenges they may, they may run into. Um, you know, one of my favorite quotes that you've, you've ever said to me is, you know, you, you wanted to take a bet on yourself. Um, <clears throat> can you, uh, can you can you talk about how you took a bet on yourself between between Arkansas Tech and junior college? Yeah, so I mean, when I when I when I get going to Tech was one of the better things that had happened to me. Honestly, I mean, it didn't it didn't work out at all the way that I had you know pictured it in my head. But from the grand scheme of things, you know, it kind of put me um, kind of put into perspective the you know, the level I needed to get to as far as just a polished baseball player and not just a, a talented one. And, you know, it, it humbled me a little bit just to see that, you know, once the development that happens from the time you're a freshman to, you know, a fifth year senior, which I mean, was the guy that was playing in front of me playing shortstop. So it was, a uh, and there was just a lot of things that, had nothing to do with talent that, you know, you could see up close and personal that was a little, eye was eye opening. So, I mean, when I made that decision to transfer out, it was a, uh, it was, it was like, like I've said to you before, I mean, it was a, it was a risk reward type thing. I mean, there was, I had a, I had quite a few junior college offers out of high school. So, I mean, I, I knew a lot of coaches that, that liked me and, you know, wanted to see me play. So being able to find a school that would take me was not, was not the issue. It was more of a, at that point, like I was saying earlier, I mean, all the, the materialistic stuff and just the, I guess the window dressing of, of some of these programs uh, just meant less to me, which in high school, it was like, uh, I mean, my last two schools that I chose between were Crowder and Seminole, and they were both ranked top five in the country at the time. And that was like the driving force of my decision. It was like, these guys are 
45, 50 games at the time. And, you know, that was kind of the only thing that I cared about, like what their ranking was and, you know, what they what what they looked like on paper. And, you know, when I made that decision to leave, it was kind of a decision for myself more than anything of just getting into a position where um, where I had the opportunity to go out there and, and show what I could do. Cause I knew from a, I knew from a talent standpoint that uh, I felt like I could play anywhere. It had to do with, you know, getting out there and getting the game experience was going to be the determining factor of, you know, how far it went from there. So thankfully, I mean, I, Zach Bottoms was was the guy over at uh, Arkansas Baptist at the time that was doing recruiting, and we uh, I I'd known him for a few years, and you know he we'd been in contact quite a bit throughout the high school process, and I mean and he knows he knew right where I stood about everything, and out of high school I never even considered it. I knew it was in a good conference. I knew that uh, I mean I was going to get exposed to as good a baseball in junior college as I could have. But from, a, like I said, just kind of that outside image standpoint, it was something I never even really considered because I just kind of looked down on it a little bit and thought that um, it was, and that was me being young and, you know, not really understanding the whole grand scheme of things. And when, when I called him and told him that, I was transferring and was looking for a place to, you know, get in there and ask if there was spots available. And he welcomed me with open arms, which, I mean, for because at that point it could be very easy to, you know, blow me off with kind of the way that, uh, that I approached the recruiting from him earlier on. So, right. It, right. It, but also, and that, that kind of goes into my point of, with these high school kids, you just never know with these coaches that are recruiting you, you just never know the situation that they're going to be in. I mean, it was, it, the coaching world is so small that you're a phone call away from, you know, getting a new job or going into a new, uh, new division or whatever in coaching to where you, uh, some of those kids that, you know, left a, bad taste in your mouth whether it be giving you the cold shoulder or you know guys that you recruited committing without you know saying a word to you after you know you spent time watching them and you know bringing them on visits and stuff like that I mean that that stuff sticks with coaches and I mean because you know we're people just like anybody else and we um unfortunately I mean that's just one of those things that you remember things like that and Next thing you know, if a guy, you know, gets a new job that may can help you out along the line in the future, you might have burned a bridge there, which is just part of growing up and learning. But um, that's just part of life. But the uh, I think the big thing that helped me was when I got there, I, I wouldn't say that I had a spot or anything like that. Like I still had to perform well. And thankfully, I mean, that when I came in at the beginning of that, um, beginning of that year in January, I played about as well as I could have to secure a spot on that team to make sure I knew I was in the mix. And, you know, from then on, played every inning of every game for two years in a conference that, you know, had over 10 guys, I think, drafted off the mound in two years. And 
pretty much every conference game you were going into play. I mean, you're seeing a, especially for that time, a power arm. You're talking <laughs> you know, low, low to mid nineties, high night. I mean, some of the guys would run it up in the, you know, over ninety five, which was a little more uncommon back then. But uh, I mean, you saw anywhere from and an a conference starter from eighty seven, six seven ish to I mean up to ninety seven. So right, I mean, we right. my uh, my second year in there that would go out there and sit ninety six, ninety eight for a few innings. So right. it, um, let's it, let, let's I, let's uh, let's push that forward just a little bit a little bit. Um, Mm-hmm. Did that? How how did how did you take it in a bet on yourself? How did that pay off? Well, I was uh, I was fortunate. I was I was fortunate because uh, I can honestly say probably for that that next year and a half. I mean, baseball was kind of the only thing that I prioritized and thought about, and had two gears about as good as I could have had there, and had had some accolades coming out. And thankfully, I mean, I had you know, a number of, you know, real big schools that, that were, that were on me pretty hard, but also, I mean, any of the mid-majors, you know, around Arkansas pretty much had a spot that, a spot for me to pitch and hit at, and it really came down to, um, I, I stayed a two-way guy all through junior college, and there's some teams that like me more on the mound, there's some teams that like me more at the plate, um, most professional teams that liked me liked me more on the mound just from a uh, projection standpoint because to be honest with you I didn't put a whole lot of um, put a whole lot of work into the pitching side of it I'll be the first one to admit it it was something that always came pretty easy to me it was as I always tried to work on velocity and stuff like that but it was uh, you know I was just always fortunate I really knew how to spin a breaking ball and had two plus pitches that could get people out for a few innings. So it was, uh, it came down to that and the fit and the, really the want of exactly what they're wanting, seeing my role as being. And there were some big schools that, that really wanted me to come in and pitch out of the bullpen. That, uh, was just something that at the time was just not ready to make that decision. And, hindsight I don't regret it for a second but ended up going to Arkansas Little Rock for pretty much as as easy of a financial burden as you can get just because they treated me like two players pretty much so signed there to do both and pitch out of the back end of the bullpen and, and play infield for them and um, it was one of those things that it was from a I guess a raw tool standpoint which I think people lose sight of, of being the, the main driving factor of guys going division one and playing at these schools, which in some, in some aspects is, is close to the truth. But the difference is, I mean, is that all these guys with all these tools know how to play. I mean, that's, that's the big difference. The guys that now you're talking on the mound, most right-handers are, from a velocity standpoint, didn't change a whole lot from, from junior college to division one, to be honest. And in some aspects, I mean, actually probably was a tick down from the junior college conference I played in. Uh, so the velocity was not an issue at all. It was, that wasn't anything that was ever really too bothersome for me, but 
the difference was was the polish of these guys on the mound is night and day different. I mean, you've got you've got guys who can pitch to both sides of the plate, up down with three pitches at, at all times. So when you go from hitting in the middle of a, a junior college lineup where you know you're facing guys that are you know low to mid 90s who are trying to show off their stuff all the time. When it's 2-0, you're still getting a fastball. I mean, that's uh, there was not a whole lot of guessing game that went on with stuff like that. But, you know, once you got to the next level, it the approach aspect of it became much more important. I mean, it, I found myself a lot of bats having to sit specific pitches and uh, or specific locations of the play and – have to approach it that way because you just never know never knew and these guys were good enough to you know if they saw you as a threat they would throw you whatever you know whatever pitch that they felt gave them the best chance to succeed whether it made sense with the count or not so that, that's that, a level of that's a level of maturity in a hitter that's yeah you know, that 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 that's hard to find whether it's junior college mm-hmm. whether it's high school what you know wherever mm-hmm. you're at you know that's a that's a level of maturity that's just hard to find. So yeah, you you say you got some accolades over in junior college. Um, let's let you know let let's talk about let's talk about those accolades for for just a second. Um, you know in junior college and then you know bra- brag on yourself in uh when you were at UALR as well. Well, uh, I know you hate to do it, but you got to. No, uh, I mean both my years there at Baptist hovered around 400 average and I think hit hit around just under 20 home runs in two years and um, had I mean played I was I was very fortunate to my time at at Baptist to have the I guess the ease of mind knowing I was going to be in there every game and was figuring out everything on the fly and once once I kind of figured out the approach side of things like kind of what I was just talking about of being able to figure out what a pitcher's you know best strength was and could design an approach around it and put myself in the best chance to succeed I mean things got a lot easier for me and I know got to Arkansas Little Rock and had you know two year two good years there my last year battled the battled some injuries but from a you know just pure hitting standpoint still still performed okay and it was all got on all sunbelt both years there and um had a chance to keep playing a little bit and uh ultimately it came down to uh, the rehab and injuries was one of those things that i have the utmost respect for anybody that that are being able to do it i can honestly say i never I never dealt with any injuries whatsoever until my last year of my last year of college. And it, it took a huge toll on me from a mental, from a mental side of it more than anything was I dealt with some leg injuries that there wasn't a real fix for. It was quads and hamstrings. And it was, uh, it was disheartening to not be able to, you know, pick up and run like you used to, or, be able to move like you used to uh, just based strictly off things like that. So it was, 
but but loved my time there. I went through two different uh, two different coaching staffs and and had a lot of respect for both of them. And still, you were there the first the first year of of current coach Chris Curry, right? Yes, yes. So my uh, my senior year, I was actually off playing in the Northwoods League, and the the coaching staff that I just played for had gotten fired over the over Christmas break and we had kind of been told in fewer words that we would kind of have a free uh, free transfer out for the most part from everything that we understood so I had had some guys on my team that played at some some big schools and at that point was coming off a really good year at, at Little Rock and knew that as far as getting onto a roster, I could probably find my way onto probably about any roster at that point. This is, I mean, pre-transfer portal and stuff like that. There's just not a whole lot of guys with that kind of experience that just come open out of the blue looking for a school. So I knew that I kind of had a free, I guess, a free route out if I wanted it. And I was kind of exploring schools just because I had no idea exactly the process I was going to go on with finding a new coach. And I got a call from, from coach Curry when one night after a game and, you know, we talked for just about 30 minutes about just everything going on. He had told me that he had just gotten the, uh, the, the head coaching job over there and that, you know, he was wanting to do whatever he could to, you know, make sure that I'd come back and at that point, I, I was still kind of on the fence. I didn't know Coach Curry before, um, beforehand or anything. I knew he was uh, an Arkansas native, and uh, I knew that he had you know, been around Central Arkansas area and did some catching things, and knew he had a you know a great playing career and everything like that. So from that from that side, I knew it. But it was also one of those things where you know I had one one year left of college, and I had a kind of freeway out if I needed it and uh, had a had a fine time at Little Rock my first year so wasn't really looking to leave but um kind of did some digging and some you know some soul searching and talked to coach Curry a few more times and some of the guys that were already on roster there at Little Rock and ultimately decided to stay um instead of instead of going somewhere else so uh, so yeah, my my first year was was Coach Curry's first year there, or my last year was Coach Curry's first year there. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Well, um, I think I think there was a lot of good perspective in all of that. Um, you know, I, I I hate to you know I I hate to make you sit there and talk about yourself for a while, but <laughs> but um, you know your your story is a story that I know pretty well. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I feel like I've been pretty close to you through through a lot of it. And, um, and so I think there's a lot to, to learn from as far as, you know, as far as perspective and as far as, as, um, you know, just teaching guy, I mean, I I bring your name up all the time when I, when I'm talking to my guys and, you know, Mm -hmm. and whether it's taking a bet on themselves, whether it's, you know, understand, you know, like that's the that's the one I bring up all the time I mean because that that takes a lot of that takes a lot of self-reflection to set back and do that um mm-hmm. so now let let's go over into you know where you're at now SA, SAU tech um and 
now where where tell everybody where that's located and and then let's go uh let's let's delve into that a little bit let's talk about mm -hmm. sau tech yeah so southern arkansas techs down in camden arkansas uh the campus has been there you know almost 70 years so i mean it's been it's been around the area for a long time so people you know around around campus are, are very familiar with it i've had friends that uh, that are bit from around you know this area that uh, i never really dealt with it uh and the last handful of years they just started athletics not got a new uh got a new chancellor here at the school his name is dr morrison and he's about as you know athletically driven as as anybody i've been around and he's kind of the main driving force of me me taking the job really because i was at washington baptist the the three years before and i had a great time there and me and coach howard have a great relationship and wasn't looking to leave at all and knew that you know i was probably just with kind of the way that you know coaching jobs project and things move forward i mean i was a, a probably a year or two away from you know moving on to you know i guess quote unquote bigger job and so i i was not in a position where i was real you know anxious to leave or anything like that but when when i got contacted about the possibility of um possibility of taking that job i just from my my first year coaching and and dealing with a lot of the things that uh, that i had to deal with i had a million questions for them and a lot of boxes i need checked of you know things that i just feel like are completely necessary and things to that are required for a good junior college program just because uh just from seeing it in from the inside from playing and also uh coaching it before there's uh it, programs that are successful it's not by accident i mean yeah good coaching staffs and and good resources and you can you can put together a good team but i think uh, in today's um, in today's age of just talking this year next year uh junior college baseball is one of those things that can i think can take a just a huge step forward just with all the kids that are that are still available that in normal years will be committed somewhere else and guys that are i mean we're, we're dealing with it right now but i mean the ncaa just passing the the roster restrictions here in the middle of the year for these division one schools that are about to have to cut their rosters back down to 40 players there's just a lot of players available out there that if if you work hard enough and you go out and you know really dig through the through the mess of all the players out there i mean you can you can put a good talented team out there and i think the the big thing about it was we were set up from the beginning to do so yeah the, the school had already started started three sports before baseball and uh, two of them were nationally ranked in the preseason both basketball teams and then softball team won the region the first year they were in it and finished runner-up last year and feel really good about their team this year again so that that kind of stuff doesn't happen by accident and colleges at this level just they don't succeed by not having 
you know, resources in place to do so. I mean, oh man, support is is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I, mm-hmm. you and I coach together, and I know I know that's something that rings true for us. Is, um, <laughs> is support is everything. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so let's go into like this is your first year. Um, you you guys aren't competing this year. You're recruiting for the 2022 mm-hmm. season. Um, mm-hmm. so let's say I'm a high school kid, um, or I, let's say, I'm, yeah, let's say I'm a high school kid. Um, mm-hmm. cause I, I mean, I assume that's, you know, that, that's where, that's where you're at right now. At, at some point mm-hmm. you're going to be, like you said, you're, you're going to be on those transfers and stuff like that. But right mm-hmm. now, you know, being a high school kid, they, they've got a little bit of an advantage in, in recruiting. And, um, let's, let's talk about that process for them. Um, mm-hmm. you know, in the you know, where it's December 8th right now. What, uh, mm-hmm. where are you guys at in recruiting right now? Um, and, and, um, and what's, you know, what's your plan going forward? And then we'll step back and then we'll take a step back and see like, how did we get there? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, there, there's no right or wrong way to really put the roster together as far as, you know, numbers or the way it's composed of high school guys and transfer guys. I mean, there's a, there's a handful of different ways to do it. I I made the decision to do things the way that I felt would be the best. I think that having high school guys that that you sought after and found and that are in the program for two years that you know know what you're about, and know you know what they're getting out of you too, uh, helps for sure. Just from a just a culture and just everything standpoint. But uh, so the kind of the, where we're at right now, I mean, we're at 23 guys right now that are, that are committed to play and most of them had already have already signed and, and are good to go. And the number that I kind of had in my head was about 30 of incoming freshmen that, you know, by that second year, I mean, hopefully you get as many as many as you can back, but in in a world of baseball, that's more times than not just not going to happen. <laughs> it's uh, so to hover around the twenty-five to thirty mark of you know the freshman incoming class to where you can sprinkle in a number of, of transfer type guys that give you a little bit more maturity and just some game experience that their main recruiting pitch to to come to school there is the opportunity it's to have a chance to get in there and in, in there to play you're not fighting with a bunch of sec, a, a whole bunch of second and third year guys to where um to where you've kind of got a, probably a little leg up as far as experience goes which may or may not mean anything i mean if a freshman plays better and can prove that he's uh, the best guy for the job, then he's the one who plays. But more times than not, there's some things that a second, maybe a third-year guy have as far as experience that helps them in that regard of getting in there and, you know, getting in the mix of things. So the my roster is going to be a little bit smaller than most, most junior colleges right now, which – the uh, the extra year of eligibility definitely played a factor in a lot of those places, but 
thankfully I haven't had, I haven't had to deal with any of that stuff yet. So, I mean, we're going to hover around 40, 45 guys, uh, try not to sway too much, uh, more than that. And that gives, cause I think kind of the main selling point of where I've went with everything is, you know, when if a roster is at 40, 45 guys, you know, for your position, you know, you're fighting for, you know, a maybe two or three guys probably for a position as opposed to, you know, some rosters are going to be up to, you know, 70, 80, 90, 100. I mean, I've heard of, you know, some rosters being all over the place with, with numbers. So, which, hey, if, if they're all good players and you want to bring them all in and, you know, have a <laughs> fight for survival, the you know, best guy wins. I have no problem with it and there's nothing wrong with it. Everybody has their own, their own different way. For me, the, uh, what's tied into a lot of it is the recruiting for them going out of our school too. I think that a 40 or 45 guy roster, each class being, you know, the 25, 30 mark ish, uh, that gives me plenty of, I guess, time to, be able to sort through the recruiting with each guy. I think that's important and something that uh, a lot of places aren't going to probably spend as much time. Probably. Yeah, and I mean, it, it also gives you it also gives you a chance to to be personal with everybody as well. I mean, yeah. let's let's be honest. Coaching is coaching is not just X's and O's and roll the ball roll roll the balls out there. I mean, um, mm-hmm. you know, and and I guess it can be, um, mm-hmm. but. You know, you're we're we're getting to the point now where, I mean, you know, you look at some of you look at you look at some of the kids that we've coached, and you know, we, that you and I coached down at Arkansas Baptist, and right now it's like, you know, holy smokes, I don't even remember what they did on the baseball field. I'm just excited that they grad they ended up graduating, and they've got good jobs, mm-hmm. and they're starting families and stuff like that. Yep. You know, um, and <laughs> it's that's that. Uh, that's that's something I uh, I believe wholeheartedly in. Let's go. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about let's stay in recruiting, but let's go a different direction a little bit. Um, say you're a high school kid right now. Where where can we? Where can a high school kid find you on the recruiting trail? What's the best way to get a hold of you? How mm-hmm. um, you know you know? Let's how how does how does that process work? Um, mm-hmm. And what uh you know. You know, what's your ticks? What what gets you going? Yeah. So um, there's re- the, th- the, the thing about recruiting is there's literally no real right 100% way of doing it, uh, whether it be for, um, for the coaching side of it or the, the actual recruits side of it. There's a, there's a million different avenues to get into it. I mean, social media is as big as probably anything. I mean, when, you know, kids can literally send you a message straight to your inbox and, you know, it's a, it stands out a lot more than when you've got, you know, 10 to 15 kids a day sending emails to you all the time. And there's just not enough, there's not enough time in the world to see every single email that gets sent to your email. So it can easily be lost in the shuffle there, but I mean, social media is a huge thing and we were, and on the coaching side, but I think it's crazy that for anybody who's not embraced it at this point, just because it's been such a, 
it's such a helpful tool with keeping up with guys and just staying in in touch and seeing how they were progressing and stuff like that. And I was actually, I was joking around with, we had a kid on a, on a campus visit the other day and we were, um, we're sitting around talking and me and me and one of the, one of the parents got into a conversation about social media and he, uh, he didn't quite fully get, he, he admittedly didn't quite get the whole social media thing. And I was, I was joking with him and I was like, well, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like people, like kind of the old school people that still want to use a roadmap is what I kind of compare to, uh, to coaches who don't, who don't want to embrace social media. I mean, you're still going to get to where you're going for the most part, but it, it makes, it makes life a lot easier having that GPS right on your phone. That'll, that'll, <laughs> that's a, so, that, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a good point. Um, so Give us some. I mean, give us some events that you're that that you're going to. You, know, you mentioned Dallas. Uh, you you guys are you you guys are relatively close down there. Um, you know, and and what when I mean events, I don't mean like. I mean, are are you spending most of your time recruiting showcase tournaments? Are you spending most of your time going to? Um, you know, a Division One camp and being being one of the coaches that help out. Um, are you spending most of your time doing your own showcases? Um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. kind of give us some light into that. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's been kind of a, a healthy mix of everything. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we ran our first prospect camp about a month ago, had a good showing from it. I mean, had a handful of kids get offered from it, a handful more kids. When you say a handful, get, how many? Um, I think actual official offers at this point i think there were five four or five that were i mean almost direct directly related to the camp i mean it was i i knew of of the kids beforehand but you know seeing it up close and personal is what got them you know the offer it wasn't it wasn't a he said she said thing that somebody just told me that let's play let's stop there let's lean into that real quick um i know you know i know you know where i'm going with this um how many phone calls uh how many phone calls do you get saying hey you should really take this guy i mean and i mean you know myself included like you know everybody included like like how many times are you, do you get that phone call? Like, man, Rock, you got you got to commit this kid. You got to sign this kid. Yeah. And you know, and how big of a how big of a difference does it make for that kid for you to see him in person? Mm-hmm. Well, for me, I mean, it's different for everybody. But for me, I mean, I've got a handful of people that I know and can really trust that aren't going to oversell a player yep. i mean they're just exactly you know what it is and that's just take it or leave it i mean thankfully i mean you're kind of included in that i mean <laughs> if anything you're just going to shoot it to me straight so i know i can trust you about uh, just players but that comes with also it comes with i mean relationships of, of people too but it's there's no way that from the outside looking in, I mean, unless they, there's been a player that they sent me before that has been exactly, you know, what they've said, which is a hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's easy and it's not always intentional that somebody oversells players or anything like that. But 
Uh, if somebody calls and tells me that I need to take a player, uh, for the most part, I mean, if somebody's calling my phone and, or texting my phone and we're having a conversation, I'm definitely going to going to definitely look into the kid. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it definitely helps the kids cause 100%. But as far as full-on taking them and getting them on the team, I mean, that ultimately is going to come down to to me in my own eyes because they don't uh, lie to you. They don't. And not saying not, that not saying that not saying that the people are out there. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. I it's it's hard to it's hard to beat your own eyes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just it's one of those things where at this point, I mean, they've gotten me this far, and it's uh, something I trust. So I, I'm going to 100% have to see the kid in person, in front of my face, for me to make that kind of decision on a guy, which it's a little bit different here because we've gotten, a, like you said, I mean, we've been given a full year to get the roster together, so I've been able to you know, be pretty, I guess, picky about guys in a sense of – where I don't have to just jump on any kid that I think can play and, you know, bring them on the roster for numbers or anything like that, where we weren't pressured to, you know, over recruit players. We were, uh, the, the main, the main thing was just to put a team out there that can win. It was a big thing. So if I think in, as far as recruiting goes, the, the, the other thing is you just never know, not every kid out there is a, you know, three, four tool guy that can go out there and help you in all aspects of the game. That's just not realistic. And if <laughs> there's some very few schools that can sort through players enough to be able to only recruit that kind of guy. Right. But for the most part, I mean, you're kind of assembling a team of, you know, all different types of of things that these guys are good at, whether it be a guy that can just really, really run or a guy who can, who doesn't necessarily throw that hard, but throws a really good breaking ball and possibly can project or a guy who can just really play the field or really catch or um, a number of different things or can just really hit and can't play defense. I mean, you need a little bit of variety. So it's one of those things that you kind of got to, take a hard look at your roster and kind of see what the vision is before it's out there of, you know, what do we actually need as opposed to with what we've already got. So, but kind of to answer your question, I mean, everybody's got a guy or two that they want to, you know, they want to help out and try to get to a school. The, um, but ultimately, I mean, for the most part with me, it comes down to, they got to help you win. Yeah, I mean, it, it does. I, there's just because it's not fair to the kid if they get sold a, you know, a pipe dream of something that you don't actually see. If they come in thinking that they're going to be a 35, 40 game starting guy as a freshman, <laughs> where, you know, you see him as a guy who, you know, can possibly come in and, you know, get you a few innings or, play a few games or, you know, play in the midweeks and stuff like that. I mean, there's a lot of levels to, I guess, the the usage of some of these guys. I mean, there's just the teams I've been a part of. And some of, and some of it may just be a program guy. I mean, you know, like that's mm-hmm. – you, you, you mentioned you, 
I, I was very glad you said when you know when when you were talking that you said that uh, that if anything I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna be brutally honest with you. That's my mm-hmm. biggest. I mean, that's my biggest goal in all of this, as far as you know. I, like I said, I've I've coached I've coached it you know at at the level, and I understand. I. I understand. I feel like I have a good understanding of of where you know where what level kids are and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, at the end of the day, if I call you and sell you this kid and tell you that tell you he's going to be an absolute stud and he comes down there and craps the bed, I mean mm-hmm. that's that's not fair to you. That's not fair to me, and that's not fair to that kid. I and right. the biggest thing is it's not fair to that kid. You know, mm-hmm. and and <clears throat> un, un, unfortunately. The the hard thing is there is, and and we've created this ourselves. We I, we've I mean we have one hundred percent created this ourselves. And anybody that doesn't believe that's blind is when you take money like when you like like when you're taking money from mm-hmm. these kids and and they're playing they're playing on these teams because they want to get recruited. They're like mm-hmm. they're one hundred percent playing on these teams because because they want to get recruited. When you take that money and there's an expectation that those kids have, there's an ex- there's an expectation that the coaches are trying to feel stuff like that. And, and that's the, the, I try really hard to tell our, to tell, tell my kids that you're paying me to be honest with you. I, I'm, yeah. you're not necessarily paying me to get you into college. Um, mm-hmm. You're you're paying me to be to be honest with you. If you really want to play college baseball, there's probably a fit for everybody. I you can, I mean, you can find a fit for everybody. You may have to go 15 hours away from home and be on that roster of 100, you know, and be okay with paying $42,000 to go to school. That's that's perfectly fine if that's what you want. But I'm I, I'm also gonna I I feel like we have a responsibility to to tell the parents exactly what's going on there. Not just not, not tell that kid, Hey, you know, so-and-so school wants you, it's going to cost you like 40 grand to go to school there, but it's going to be a really good fit. You might play as a freshman, you get there and realize, you know, you get there and realize that that's not the bill of goods you were sold. Um, I'm really glad. I'm really glad you brought that up. And I'm, I'm especially glad that, that you, you said that uh, you you said those nice words about me. I appreciate that. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I think the uh, I think another thing is like it, once you get into coaching too is you realize I mean just college baseball is just not for everybody. It's just not one hundred percent. Whether you're a good player or marginal player or. Uh, you just love the game and aren't super talented. I mean, I've seen it work different ways for all different talent levels, but in the long run, I mean, there's just a lot of commitment and things that you have to do as a college baseball player that you don't enjoy. I mean, that's that's a lot of stuff you got to put up with and put up with it and just make it through. (laughs) Tyler Smith and I were talking yesterday. Um, Mm -hmm. we did, we did our, I I did my first podcast with him yesterday. And one of my favorite points that he said was that it's really hard to recruit that kid that's, that wants to play baseball no matter what. And I think Mm -hmm. you and I got really, really lucky, um, Mm -hmm. at Arkansas Baptist when, Mm -hmm. when we were there, because I feel like we had a lot of those kids, 
But I also mm-hmm. feel like in the situa- in the setting that they were in, you know, you and I, you and I have talked about this. They mm-hmm. had no choice. Like, like yeah. you, you, you had to be like that, or you didn't make it. Um, right. You know, but but you know, expand expand on that a little bit on like what that means to be, you know, what that means on like, with a kid you're a kid you're recruiting. Yeah. Well. Most of the time of the guys that I recruit, I'm going to get to see them playing games for the most part. This year I have. I haven't always in the past. I mean, at Washita, it was a little bit different. We were, you know, bringing in only a handful of kids a year. And it's the same type of deal of, like, you know, we got to be pretty picky with, you know, the guys that we really wanted to be a part of that thing. And didn't always get to see them as much in games. But, you know, this year I spent a lot of time out there watching games and it it speaks volumes, you know, with the way that uh, more more so it's a lot easier to stick out in a positive way than a negative way now. Because like you were saying, I mean, some of these I mean, summer tournaments and summer teams, you know, they're playing every single weekend for nine or ten weekends playing four to six games that's maybe more baseball than I played in like all the summers of high school combined. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I have that conversation every year. I like, I literally had that conversation last week of, of uh, a parent was like, I mean, because my personal summer team, we, uh, we, we play no more than five weekends in a tournament or or not five weekends in a summer. And, um, (laughs) And everybody's like, well, these guys are playing 10, 12 weekends in the summer. And I'm like, like you said, that's literally, I mean, we were lucky, I think, to play 20 games in high school and then turn around and play 10, ga- 10 15 games in the summer. And, right. and still and still had a lot of, I mean, I mean, and still had a lot of burnout on our arms. We still had a lot of, in, I, I mean, there's, you know, I don't, I don't even want to, let's not even run down that rabbit hole right now. But, um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, what I'm getting at is, I, I mean, I think these people, I think, I think some of these, some of these people would play 52, get 52 weekends a year if they could. Right. Well, I mean, it's just one of those things. I mean, there's a lot of money in it. And I mean, it's baseball just came a sport that, you know, you've got to have, have a little bit of money to, to spend, to play at a, you know, a showcase level, which it's, I mean, it, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's the best route for these guys getting to college for the most part. I mean, that's where us coaches are out watching and have good relationships with all, I mean, all these guys that run these organizations too of, you know, it is, you know, the best route. And Hey, if I was in, in high school right now and back when I was, you know, in high back 16 18 years old i would have loved to play as much baseball as possible but i mean i was just one of those guys that loved the game and would play every single day if they'd let me but some of these kids especially like pitchers i mean no wonder i mean they're wondering what the radar gun's saying every time they throw for 40 mm-hmm. weeks out here i mean it's not going to be going up <laughs> i mean, you, you, well, I mean that, that brings us to a good point do you ever mm-hmm. You know, like you, uh, let's say one of these showcase tournaments tweets out so and so 89 miles an hour, and that's a kid mm-hmm. you're recruiting, you know, mm-hmm. and he 
he just signs or whatever. And, and then you see that the two days later, so-and-so mm-hmm. 89 miles an hour. And then you see, you see him in another game. So-and-so 89, you know, 82 miles mm-hmm. an hour. Is that yeah. stuff that happens? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think the biggest thing is, I mean, when it comes to video and, you know, emails and stuff like that, I mean, every kid's going to, for the most part, put their metrics in there. But that, know, no, that, that, that's not that's not what I was asking. What I'm asking is mm-hmm. what I, I, I'm kind of leaning in, leaning in on the, you know, mm-hmm. having perspective side of do you as a coach do you ever do you ever recruit a kid that throws on friday and you know he's 89 90 on friday turns around again throws on saturday or saturday or sunday 89 Mm -hmm. 90 and then you know and then do you ever do do, you know do you ever see those kids tick down in velocity as as they get older or anything like that yeah yeah there's yeah there's no doubt about it i mean we've it can go a number of different ways depending on how these kids take care of their body. But I mean, I've seen plenty of kids that at 15, 16 years old or, you know, mid eighties, which I mean, at that age is, you know, bringing in there pretty good and it just never really get much better. Cause you know, you, you showcase that kind of arm strength at 15, 16 years old and you, you showcase it to death. No doubt. And there's no, I mean, you, you want to get that in front of every eye that'll watch it throw. But eventually, I mean, and these kids that are committing, committing so early, especially freshmen, sophomores in high school, I mean, they're committing on projection. It's not the finished product anywhere close to it of what they are right there. So regardless of who they're committed to as a 15 year old kid, I mean, if it doesn't get like, if the projection doesn't keep going, then their route in college, you know, takes is going to drastically change. Yeah, I mean, to play at a SEC level school and to be a, you know, a really good, what I would say, a, I mean, a really good mid-major Division One player. I don't think kids realize how good at baseball you have to get. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that's that is. Oh my gosh, um, just go go watch baseball games. I mean, we're yeah. you and I live in the state of Arkansas. Um, hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully, there's um, you know we we had our first episode yesterday, and we, we got over a thousand listens in in the in the first the first two days, which I'm really grateful for. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. there's people all over the country. But but you and I we're in the state of Arkansas right now. And mm-hmm. Arkansas is littered with Division twos, Division two II junior colleges, Division three mm-hmm. junior colleges. There's Division one junior colleges really close around. We've got NAIA schools. We've got mm-hmm. University of Arkansas, um, University of Central Arkansas, UALR, Arkansas State, University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. You know, there's mm-hmm. what what five five Division one schools, one Power five school, um, mm-hmm. and and ev- like. And each one of those schools, they're bringing in, they're bringing in schools to play that to to play them from around the country. I mean, how important would it be for a high school kid to go to Russellville and watch, you know, Russellville play Monticello, or or a Wachita play Henderson, or watch, you know, U, uh, UCA play UALR? Like, like how much? Like, let's talk about that for a second. I mean, if you're a high school kid who's a, you know, probably if you're if you're already a senior, it may be, you know, 
bordering too late, but especially as a sophomore, junior in high school, you need to go watch as many college baseball games as you can because I think the biggest, probably the biggest problem in recruiting in general is these kids have no clue what level they fit in at. I think that's the biggest thing of they go off of more who commits to certain schools. What, what's and, going on Twitter and what, you know, and what mom and dad think, you know, yeah, it's, exactly. I, and I hate to, I hate to, I hate to be that guy and say that, but mm-hmm. unfortunately that's, that's the way it is. Uh, yep. I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure, you know, it's been a while since you've been in the, uh, in the, you know, and more of the high school showcase, like dealing, uh, dealing with the showcase parents and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But I feel those questions all the time of, you know, oh my gosh, I, I, this guy committed here, this guy committed here. Well, I don't. These parents don't realize how much pressure they're putting on these kids, and these kids mm-hmm. are like the the parents are putting the pressure on them, and then the kids turn around, and and you know they're sitting there seeing, watching Twitter, watching, you know all this stuff. You know, yeah, that kid's a freshman. Well, you know, yeah, he committed because he's a freshman. He's throwing eighty three to eighty five with a with a really good breaking ball right now, and he's six foot four. Like, yeah. like, yeah, that kid's committed. Like, mm-hmm. you know, but does that mean, you know, what what they don't realize is that, you know, the, the seven or eight of those kids that get asked to go to a junior college or go to another school the month before mm-hmm. the month before school starts or the junior college kid that gets in and, and I mean, you, you, you mentioned it earlier, you know, cutting those rosters back down to 40 because of COVID. I mm-hmm. mean, there's a lot of really good players. I mean, I mean, JUCO mm-hmm. All Americans like that yeah. are that are getting sent back to junior college not because they can't play, just because yeah. there's not enough room. Right, right, and and it it's gonna it makes coaching at that level. I mean, it makes those decisions harder too because once you, I mean once you get into that level of baseball, I mean there's there's a business aspect of it too where you know. The, the more money you're getting paid and the the more uh, resources are being dumped in your program, the more expectation there is too. So, uh, so and you, I mean, and, and most for, for the most part, they're always trying to be fair to the kid. Like, I mean, for well, the most part. Yeah. And I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but I, I do have a relationship with at least the guys in state. And uh, I mean, there's no, bad apples in there i mean yeah i've I've never i've never had that conversation with a coach where he wasn't like where he wasn't like you know this this you know we're you know we're just you know we don't care about it it's like man this sucks but it's the situation we're in so we have to deal with it yeah and i mean that's kind of what you sign up for with uh when you when you sign up to to lead a program and be the the guy in charge i mean you're that's that's what you're accepting. That's why, you know, the head coach makes more than the assistants. And, uh, I mean, you just got to make the, there's the, the talk we always had with me and coach Howard at Washita. It's like, you know, there, you get paid to make the hard decisions, the ones that are not easy to make, whether it be, you know, cutting scholarship money or having to cut somebody loose or tell them that they fit in better somewhere else or anything like that. It sucks, but, it's, it's part of the deal, but it also, I mean, from my perspective, helping these kids try to find a better fit's not always the worst thing, but when you're at some of these schools that are, like like you said, you post on Twitter and 
you know, people you haven't talked to in four or five years or, you know, commenting and liking it and retweeting and everything like that to congratulate you because, you know, they want a kind of a little piece of the. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody, everybody wants, everybody wants the, to say, Hey, I know that guy. Hey, I know that guy. Which is, which I get it. I mean, that's just the the world we live in right now. Mm -hmm. It's just part of social media age, but, um, it's, it makes it very difficult on that kid. Yeah, to, well, and that that that's the point I'm trying to make is yeah is the the amount of that's the thing I think I've seen in the past four or five years the most mm-hmm. is yeah. the amount of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And it, and I, I'm not I'm not gonna put this I, I'm gonna put this on parents I'm gonna I, yeah. like I'm gonna like I, and you know this may be a little bit of a hot take but I'm gonna put this on parents. And like the amount of so like the amount of of anxiety and just mental emotional struggle mm-hmm. um you know not just parents i mean it's just the like you said the world we live in but mm-hmm. the ones that the one the ones that are that are all focused on what everybody else is doing yeah those are the same kids that are those are almost always the same kids that are coming in there and they're the expectations are completely shot the day they get there. I mean, I, I'm, I don't know how many stories I've heard of kids that they get there and they're like, oh my gosh, this is way different than what I expected. Right. I just <laughs> wanted to put it on Twitter that, that I went to, I got to go to school here. I didn't sign up for all of this. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, and I, and I mean, I hate to, I hate to say it and I hate to be that guy, but, but I mean, ev- that's everywhere. You know, right. and, and just like, just like you, you know, you, you coached it at uh Wachita. I know this happened to you guys and I know it, it happened to us at Arkansas tech. It happened to, it's happened to a lot of friends of mine in, in division two level of, you know, it's, it's no different than the junior college kid you recruit in or the high school kid you recruit in that you did your job, mm-hmm. that, that you did your job and got a really good player in there. And they, mm-hmm. they come in there, they tick up, they throw harder, and they're like, you know what, I'm going to go transfer out and go somewhere else. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt. I mean, that's li- it's literally no different, yeah. you know, but, you know, that's – I we could we could talk all day about that stuff, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, there's no doubt. But we uh, – well, it's one of those things where also you've got to – I think as a, as in the coaching side of it, too, you, you start seeing – You've got to take into account a little bit of, you know, how much usage these guys have gotten out of um, some of these guys, some of these usage that's coming out of high school on the mound, especially like some of these kids, maybe, you know, 87, 89 come out of high school, but, you know, have just never stopped playing for the last, you know, handful of years. Mm-hmm. Whereas you see this more in Arkansas, but like if you get a hold of some of, these smaller town kids from Arkansas are guys that haven't like really played a bunch of showcase ball and is that everybody kind of know about, you know, if you catch them at 82, 84 or something like that in high school and they haven't really done anything from a development standpoint, you see some of these guys really, really tick up really quick and they catch up. I mean, as, as quick as, as you can imagine in these college rosters. So, I mean, we've, I've seen it with guys we've recruited and just guys around and some guys that, you know, committed to some bigger schools that are, some people thought were question marks and have 
really trajected up. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a there's no right or wrong way for anything, but I think the biggest thing when you're talking about recruiting, and I mean, I can say this because you know I went through about any type of recruiting situation possible. Of you know, in the long run, it just matters how good you can get at baseball. I mean, the tools are great, but like tools don't get you on the field at a Division One school like that. Oh I my mean, gosh, just, that that might be the best quote we have all day. Yeah, I mean, it's everybody has tools that are on that roster, whether it be you know, run, throw, hit, power, velocity, whatever it is, like if they're recruiting you, I mean, you've got some tools that obviously on paper look good, but only eight of the position guys play. (laughs) So how are you going to help them in a game situation is what it all boils down to. So thankfully, I mean, in my head at that point, it wasn't as, I guess it wasn't as data driven, even though it wasn't just a whole long time ago to where, a lot of times, I mean, I didn't care what, you know, stuff looked like or, you know, what I had to do. It, it all boiled down to, I mean, how, how was I going to get some type of production out of this at bat? Or this guy has got two pitches that I have no idea how I'm going to hit either one of them, but I'm going to have to pick or choose one. And that's just kind of the, and you just kind of got to live or die by that approach because, once you get to that level, especially position guys, when those pitchers get up there and have three pitches that are all what they what would be labeled as plus pitches, and there's not a whole lot of time to decipher between the two of them, uh, you're going to have to come up with some type of approach that works for you. But you also got to have different type of uh, got to have more more than one tool in the bag uh, when you go to the plate. <laughs> there you go. Um the whole field a little bit and have some you know be able to take some uncomfortable pitches and there's just a lot that goes into it that kids have no clue until they get there because up until that i mean everything's determined on you know how fast they run the 60 and you know how hard they hit it off a a ball that's stationed on a tee in the middle of the play i mean there's people just the tools are great don't get me wrong and us college coaches, we're looking for guys that have good tools that can stand out in games. There's no doubt about it. But in the long run, I mean, you've got to have some guys that can. There's a lot of toolsy guys out there that can't play baseball. That's it. And bottom line is that at the end of the day, when you know you're a head coach and you're all the wins and losses are going to go beside your name and for the rest of the, for the rest of your time you've got to find you're going to have to have some dudes that can also go out there and perform too whether it's uh, looks pretty or not you just have to and i've seen some you know i've seen and coached some guys that i didn't like the way things looked at all but could find a way to hit the ball in the barrel field the ball throw it first that have worked out great and had good productive years we we talked about this here recently uh, mm-hmm. we, you and I coached a kid, um, n- named Eric Aguirre that yep. I think he was what third, on, third on our depth chart. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, he had two guys in front of him that were, that were, I mean, as far as tools go, 
quite a bit better than him. I think one of them was a left-handed hit and catcher, and the other one was, had had a lot of juice back there. Both of them had good arms, and mm-hmm. and and Eric right now is a fifth year. Uh, he's a fifth year senior, or actually, I think he's getting getting his masters at Arkansas Tech. You know, he mm-hmm. he 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 was a he played he played two or three years at at ABC, and then spent uh, went and spent some time at uh, University of Ozarks, and now now getting getting his degree over at Tech. I mean, he's still and he's still playing and producing at a pretty high level, you know, and mm-hmm. and he was at, at you know at, at at one point he was third on the depth chart for us, you know. Yeah. I think that's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and, and it was funny because actually Aguirre came up and had a catcher on campus and was telling them exactly about that situation because they were asking a little bit about, you know, depth charts with um, with catchers and rosters. And, I mean, most colleges are going to hold four or five of them, just maybe not all primary catchers, but four or five that could suit up and, you know, do the job. And I told them that story. I mean, we had two guys who – from tool perspective were every bit as got as good of players as a lot of guys that I played with in division one and seen that have played at even bigger schools than, um, than what I was at, but, uh, from a tools perspective off the charts, but, you know, ended up being the guy who not everything looked conventional and was kind of a tall slender guy behind the plate who, um, he ended up being, you know, the guy who caught, I think he caught 44 of the 50 games or whatever we played that year. Right. It's just, and well, and it goes back, it goes back to what we were talking about, talking about earlier in the conversation that Tyler and I had just yesterday was, I mean, that guy's, that guy was, is the epitome of the guy that's, he's going to play baseball no matter, no matter what, like like you're not going to be able to tell that kid. No, He's gonna yep. find a way into the lineup, and you know, you 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 may look at him and say, "Hey, you may not be our starter day one," and and, and he'll look. I mean, he he'll look right back at you and say that that's okay. But in his mind, he 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 knows I'm gonna I'll I'll get my day, and when I get my day, I'm I'm taking it, and you're not getting yep. it back. And that's yeah. literally who that who that guy is, and. You know, I I can't wait to see how good he does down at Arkansas Tech. Um, I'm I'm really excited to watch him this year. Well, another thing kind of it ties into a little bit is like what we were just talking about is, I mean, from a tools perspective, I mean, the best tool Eric had was the run tool, uh-huh. and at catcher, that's like, I mean, a unicorn back there, a guy uh-huh. who, uh, I mean could really move back there could really run the bases and get down the line but i mean <clears throat> nobody would sit there and project him for you no know, much power or hit for a super high average and wasn't didn't have a phenomenal arm or anything like that but caught a good ball and could run but that that ties into that dude really loved baseball and was going to do anything in his power to you know, do something productive. Yeah. And, and he's had a great career. You know what I mean? I mean, he's, he's had a really good career. He helped. I mean, he, the games that we won down at Arkansas Baptist, he, he was a huge part of every one of those. And I mean, I just, I love to celebrate those guys. I really love yeah. to celebrate those guys. We, and we mm-hmm. got lucky and had, we, we, I think you and I got lucky and had, had, had a lot of those guys 
Kimwell, Thomas mm-hmm. Rivera, Marcus Bracey. I mean, I, I, there was a lot of Hunter Pogue. There's a yeah. lot of those guys, Ashton Leach. I mean, I mean, there's a lot more in there that we that we could talk about. Like, yeah. um, but but the uh, I just really really enjoy celebrating those guys. Hey, if you're in the baseball sector and trying to connect with baseball people, and you feel like you need to get uh, to get your name out there, shoot us a, shoot us an email over at info info at elevationsportsperformance.com. Um, we, we'll have some advertising opportunities for you on our on our podcast and YouTube and and other things going forward. Again, that's info at elevationsportsperformance.com. Let's talk a little bit about the timeline of these kids. Yeah, I mean it's it uh it varies a little bit from from age to age, especially in high school. Uh, I have this conversation all the time with people of, you know, when are we, I guess, projected to get recruited, or why is recruiting slow and things like that. I mean, for the most part, I mean, I think the main thing people, I guess, fail to realize is, especially in springs of uh, coaches' years. I mean, we're coaching our own team for one, so there's not a there's not as much wiggle room for us to go out and watch games and things like that. So, I mean, going into like a kid's senior year, that's going to be the main time that junior colleges, Division twos, Division threes, NAIs. That's going to be when most of the recruiting happens. That that summer, going into your senior year, get out there and play in front of as many people as possible. Go to you know, camps on their campus, whatever you can do to get in front of their face, that's going to be kind of your main timeline. If, if you're getting recruited before that, odds are you're probably kind of one of those early, early bloomer type guys to where, and I don't, not in a negative way, I meant more of like the tools are projected a little earlier than a lot of guys that, you know, there's going to be some mid-major, low-major uh, Division One schools I mean, as of right now, I mean, those high major Division One schools that everybody loves, you know, watching on TV and uh, talking about and dreaming about, I mean, the class that they're recruiting right now, I mean, is 2024, 2025. Right. I mean, most big commitments I see that. And they've been committing 24s for a year. Oh, yeah, for a long time. And I know that uh, most of the huge announcements that I see on I'd say huge. I mean, most of like the perfect game retweeted, yeah, commit everything like that. I mean, these are 2025 kids. Yep. I mean, the the highly ranked national kids that are committing early. And these guys are freshmen in high school. So, if you're a senior in high school and you've never heard from some of these some of these schools, which most most of you most of them haven't, uh, the timeline for that's probably pretty close to over. I mean, there's going to be a a special circumstance here or there maybe that would uh say otherwise but for the most part you know they're uh they're recruiting years down the line and the and, they, ha- and they have to to stay to stay competitive at the level that they're at 100 percent. it turned into every everybody history. wants to, everybody wants to villainize that and i under i understand the the want to villainize it i understand mm-hmm. that but yeah but it's also that's, I mean, your job is winning. When you're getting paid that kind of money to win, like, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and 
like you've got to do what you have to do to win. And if you're not recruiting that 2025, yeah, he's going to go to your competitor and they're going to beat you out of the college world series. Yeah. 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 And that's, and that's just how it's going to be moving forward. I mean, there's not, nothing's going to change that at all. Cause it's, it's one of those things where when, when you can get kids that there, I mean, there's a lot of intangibles that go with it that pretty much the only thing that they're looking at, you know, the projection of these guys, I mean, the mound's a little bit different. I mean, the mound's, you can, you can spot a clean, loose arm, a quick arm from a mile away. But you know, when you're committing guys to power five school that are, you know, 83, 85, 83, 86 miles an hour as freshmen, you expect them to be that, you know, that low 90 type arm by the, by the time they graduate, which puts them fitting right into, to, into the program. Mm-hmm. But ultimately that's not always the case. I mean, it doesn't always pan out that way. And that's, and it's okay. That's okay. Like that. I mean, that there's plenty of places for you. you know, yes. You just, I, I, I do like, you know, and, not in a negative, like you said, not in a negative way. I, people do need perspective, though. They need to understand that that you know, I, I especially especially the parents of the kids that that don't have that 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 they don't have the kid that's getting recruited like that, because right. I think a lot of times those, those kids get villainized. I mean, we've got yeah. I've, I've got a kid in here that's 14 years old and can really can really chuck it and. You know, and and I I guarantee you that you know if 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 that kid ends up committing early, you know that everybody's gonna be like, oh my gosh, well I'm I'm as good as that kid. Da 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 da. da. Well, no, like at the end of the day, like you're putting a lot of pressure on everybody on, on your own son, and and right. that that comes out that comes out down the road. But yeah, um, you know that's. That's a that's a subject that really gets me going, as you can see. Let's uh, mm-hmm. let, let's let's. I've got two two questions I want to I want to um, kind of wrap everything up on. In the light of a in the light of a high school player, mm-hmm. um, give us some advice. Like, I'm going to ask this for a high school player, and ask I'm going to ask this in the terms of a junior college player, for the yeah. high school player that is. That is a junior, uh, a senior right now, you know, and mm-hmm. and I know you, I know you deal with these guys all the time. Um, mm-hmm. That is, you know, say he's went and played this summer, felt like he had a good summer, and just can't understand why, like, why he's not getting the opportunities that he feels like he should be getting right now, or mm-hmm. um, you know, and he just doesn't have. He he's kind of getting punched in the face a little bit uh, with, hey, you know, there's you don't have near near the opportunities that you thought you were going to have. Um, mm-hmm. What advice do you have for that kid, and mm-hmm. and you know what what measures would you take for that for a kid like that? Well, I think the uh, the big thing with I mean guys in recruiting and everything like that. I mean you've got to put some you've got to do some work on your part for one of trying to get in front of as many coaches as possible. And if whatever model you're using is not working, I mean, like I said before, there's no right or wrong way to complete right or wrong way to do it. Some guys get recruited handfuls of different ways. I mean, we've, I mean, signed kids from showcases from our own camps, from, 
know, seeing kids on Twitter. I mean, there's a million different. I'm talking that... about the kid that's done all of those, and he mm-hmm. he he's struggling. He's struggling with the, you know, I he's he's struggling with the uh, with the thought of only having that that one place to go. You know, he, he thought he was going to be a highly recruited kid. He thought he's going to have. He thought he's going to have three or four different schools to, to pick from stuff like that. And he's got an, a walk on opportunity. What well, advice, nice. what advice do you give to that kid? Yeah. I mean, it comes down to, you got to change your priorities a little bit and concentrate more on the development side of it. Cause it guys that are that proactive, which I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, we've signed, we've signed some kids that are like ultra proactive that, I mean, every time that, you're looking around, he's sending an email or a text or videos of him or everything like that. If a kid's that proactive and he's showing that much interest and he's actually good enough to play at the level that, you know, you're at, you're probably going to end up taking that kid just mm-hmm. because like what we talked about earlier, it comes down to more than tools and everything like that. But obviously that kid's got some initiative and wants to really wants to play and, also, what we talked about earlier, there's more levels to just being in there and being a 30, 40 game starting guy. Mm-hmm. Guy can help out, and he's that type of. He's uh, going to make your program better. Exactly. I mean, that's what the re- we- the reason I asked that question is because <laughs> I see I see it all the time of, you know that that high school freshman sophomore junior they're you know they're so gung ho and ready and stuff, but when when it comes time to recruit when it t- comes time to get the recruiting done and um and they start realizing man like this this isn't the way that I thought it was going to be and you start mm-hmm. to realize you start to they start to have to do some self inventory of is this really what I want to do you know right. is this and and you had like like you said you have to be that guy that you're talking about mm-hmm. to to be successful at that point, you know, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to focus on your development. You've got to, you've got to take a bet on yourself. Um, you know, and what, uh, what about the junior college kid? You know, this is really relevant right now with, with COVID and the, and them, and them cutting it back to 40 man roster. What about that junior college kid that, that is really talented. That is, getting you know he he's getting the love but mm-hmm. you know he's getting the love at, at at some of these schools that that you know he might he might get a lot of money at a lot of these schools but he's not quite getting that not quite getting the love that he wants at the schools that he wants you know you know he's not quite there yet what advice do you have for those guys as far as mm-hmm. being a being a juco sophomore and you know I'm talking more on a on a mental on a mental side. Like you and I, you and I've been through the 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 mental side of it, and it's it's really hard to it's really hard to equate that to a to a 19 year old kid when you're when when we're 30 years old. You know what I mean? It's really hard to to equate that. Like, what advice would you give to those guys? Well, I think the the biggest thing in the recruiting as far as junior college is you've got to you've got to really boil down to what's the best fit for you because when you're a sophomore in junior college, that means you've got two years left to play in, which some of these guys are going to get three with the way things have gone. But for the most part, you're talking two years, the final two years of your, your career, 
you got to make the best fit choice for you too. And that's, that doesn't always mean, um, what the highest level in which you can play at. And 100%. Not a easy decision to make. And I ended up having to make that decision at 19, 20 years old of, you know, trying to play in the sec and pitching out of the bullpen or, you know, fighting for a spot to, to get in there or, you know, going somewhere that, realistically everything was kind of paid for and had a spot carved out for you. It ultimately boiled down to a few things, but I mean, going somewhere that somebody is invested in you and wants you to be a part of it and values you being there will, in my opinion, always trump all the, the perks of what maybe uh, look a little better from the outside and it, something else. I mean, th- to me that that'll, you know, you know, there, there's two sides to that coin, but like picking the right fit eliminates a lot of the insecurities. A lot of baseball players have because, yeah. because at the end of the day, I mean, you can say what you want about being, you know, like, like you gotta be mental, mentally tough to play this game, but, mm-hmm. but 100% like being at the right place makes it easier makes it easier to perform at a high level if that if that makes sense right and it it doesn't always have to be just i mean you said you said that earlier about when you went to arkansas baptist you felt Mm -hmm. you felt free and able to go out there and just play yeah like think like and you you look back and and how much easier is the game to play when when you feel like that versus you know I, and I, th- I think a lot of kids lose sight of that. Right. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that, I mean, us as coaches, too, got to kind of put into perspective and try and help these guys as much as you can to give them a little bit of freedom while also, you know, there's a right and wrong way to do things, too. And them understanding that whatever you're telling them is for their benefit. And if you give them feedback and – you try and make it as much constructive as possible, but in reality, it's not always uh, rainbows and butterflies. I mean, sometimes you got to have harsh conversations with guys and raise your voice a little bit to get your point across. But the uh, ultimately when it comes down to playing in the games and reaching the level of, I guess, development that you're shooting for and to be that, to play on that type of level, you know, you've got to have a lot of different things that you can do to succeed and actually thrive in an environment that's that competitive because that's the thing. I mean, if, if your main goal is to play big division one baseball, to play at the highest level possible and all this stuff, hey, I will be the first one to tell you that, you know, get the perks of playing division one baseball and the materialistic stuff and all the attention and the the image and everything like that. Like I I'd love every kid to experience that. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. But in reality, it's, it's, it's not near as easy as it looks. No. I I mean, I I heard, I heard a podcast yesterday with Matt Hobbs and that, 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 that he, he brought that up. Uh, he brought up that it, you know, the kids that struggle, the, the, the kids that mentally struggle to deal with everything. It's, it's not the physical, it's, it's not being able to deal with it physically. It's being able to, 
to mentally mentally deal with everything. I mean, they're asking a lot. They're asking they're asking them to do a lot on the baseball field. They're asking them to do a lot mentally on the baseball field. They're asking them to do a lot in the classroom. They're you know you're traveling a lot. I mean, you there's like that stuff adds up. And I mean it that that adds up in a junior and junior college and it and it it only gets worse. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's probably if I had to tell you as far as the uh, the the huge difference between junior college and other four year schools. So I, I've kind of seen every side of it from you know coaching in junior college and Division two and playing Division one and and everything. But I think the biggest difference with junior college as opposed to like my time at Washita. I mean, we had kids play on that team that, I mean, they were good baseball players. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the talent, they were all talented enough to be there, but the way they ended up there was all different ways. I mean, some kids were going there strictly for school, the fit of, you know, the environment, the proximity to home, all this stuff. Whereas, more, more times than not, the JUCO fit has more to do with, you know, the baseball side of it. Like, like I've said a million times, I mean, the putting the investment in on yourself to get to the highest level that you can possibly get at. And everybody's pretty like-minded as far as the baseball side of it. I mean, they're all there to play baseball. Guys aren't coming to like these JUCOs and, some of them in the middle of nowhere, I mean, to just hang out and go to school. I mean, they'll go do that somewhere where there's, you know, 20,000 kids on campus and have full campus life and stuff like that. Like, they're making the decision because it's a baseball decision. Hopefully they love the game. They find out pretty quick if they really do or not. Most of them, when they make their decision, think they love the game. Um, and <laughs> Uh, that's kind of the the common point of everybody. When you start getting into two years or four year schools, uh, whether it be NAIA, Division three, Division two, II, Division one, most of the guys are there to play baseball. Just to, to be honest with you, but a, uh, in junior college, it's more of kind of a Division one model in that everybody on the baseball field, for the most part has the same kind of, I guess, aspirations and drives as the other guy. The only difference is all these 40, 45 guys are within a, you know, a year or two of the same age. Yep. So it's a very unique situation that it's my favorite level to, to be around just because all these guys are figuring out on the fly of just how to live and get themselves out of bed in the morning and try to, learn how to cook the most just simple meal of all time just i just i i wish i wish i i wish everybody i i wish everybody could experience it you know what i mean i i i really do i've got i've had kids here recently that that uh you know i had a conversation with a kid a year or two ago and he was like well you know i don't want to you know, I have zero interest to go in and go into the middle of no, you know, some middle of nowhere junior college, mm-hmm. and and you know, and maybe maybe this is immaturity of myself, but but I I'm sitting there like, then like the fact that you're willing to say that uh-huh. says everything you need says everything that needs to be said if that makes right. sense. 
it, it well because when you start you know hearing people talk like that where they really look down on the junior college aspect it has everything to do with everything that doesn't include baseball I yes mean, that they want to go to a school and hang out and have the college experience which is fine um there's nothing wrong with that but that makes you question you know how much the kid actually loves baseball yeah so and ultimately what it boils down to because the kids who don't really love it they're not going to get those opportunities that the other guys do and that's just whether it's right or wrong that's just the way of the world and probably not going to change anytime soon because there's just like you said a lot of things that you got to do on a day-to-day basis. If you think if you think you if you think going to school in the middle of nowhere is the hardest decision you're gonna ever gonna have to make, yeah. and the hardest thing you're gonna face, just yeah. wait until your first two weeks at college. Like, right. yeah, right. I mean, just wait until you have to deal deal with everything that everything that gets thrown at you. Just just not like just in a just in I mean, a lot of these, a lot. Now, some of these kids are 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 very prepared, but most mm-hmm. people like there. There's a there's a reason. I, and you say you say this all the time. Like, give us give us give me your quote about a uh, the high school senior versus the JUCO or ver, versus the college freshman. Well, I mean, it's just it's nine day different. I mean, the biggest it's the biggest probably jump of you know anybody's career that they make and something the kids. something you've always something you, you and I've always talked about and then I, I believe you were the one who uh I believe you were the one who who said this quote to me was the uh the um the most arrogant person in the world is the high school senior and the fastest one to get humbled is the college freshman yeah, <laughs> yeah that's about as true as it gets because you find out pretty quick that uh when you play around a bunch of guys that are all similar, similar talent wise all the way around you. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, things just, things just get put into perspective pretty quick. Well, they get, so, they sort themselves out really fast. <laughs> yeah. It's the last thing that like, I'll kind of leave you with. I mean, it's coming down to, this is more for, I mean, kids that are making their decisions from high school and junior college I mean, it relates both ways but um, in today's age with you know social media the way it is and it being such a I mean it's just a priority for everybody I mean I I as much as anybody but the um, like when you come down to making your decision on a school that um, that committed post and uh, everybody congratulating you. I mean, it wears off way quicker than anybody imagines. I mean, whether it's uh, at a junior college or a high-level Division One school or anything like that, the uh, the praise and all that that stuff goes out the door so fast, and you're left with you know the handful of guys that have kind of been with you for the beginning. And when you're trying to find a school to to thrive and excel at you just might want to make sure that that's not the uh the driving force of of what you're making your decision for because there's a lot of a lot of stuff that looks looks good on twitter and uh, that people love to praise and and all that but 
in reality, it's going to come down to how just the bottom line, you got to get as good as you can get at baseball. If you want to play at that level and actually succeed, you, you, you need to go watch some games and, and get a perspective of how good of baseball gets played and how good some of these guys get uh, before you, you think that it's just going to happen by accident. Mm-hmm. You, you, a lot of, there's a lot of time and, and effort and concentration that goes into the development side of it for you to be able to go in and be a be a dude, as, as someone would say it, like be a dude at, at somewhere like that, whether it be the Division One level or even a, a high Division Two level. I mean, people don't realize I mean, you go watch a game in the Great American Conference. I mean, we were talking about it earlier. You've got some guys transferring out that are making contributions at pretty good division one schools right now as grad grad transfers but you go watch a weekend series against a good weekend series in the gac which i mean we were fortunate enough to have some arms that were that were right up there with anybody too but i mean you're seeing 90 mile hour arms across the board on the weekends so don't don't fall in love with just the tools i mean everybody's got draftable players yeah every like I, I mean, I, at my time at Arkansas Tech, there's, you know, the outfield that we had there was really, really good. You know, the, we, you know, like, like you said, I mean, there's a grad transfer that just went into a, a mid-major and is going to make, make a lot of good con- uh, contributions. And, I mean, the, the amount of depth that they have at that level now is, I mean, it's – what like it's gotten way better here in the in the you know in, in here recently but even then like it is it's it's baffling to me how many people just don't see college baseball games go see yeah. how many six six runners there are out there go see they, how they, many 90 they, mile an hour arms there are out there go see many right. how many home runs get hit in batting practice don't eat go see go see the the type Go see the go see the flight of the ball in batting practice of a Division two GAC game. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, we. It's just it, it's it's hard to it's hard to really tell without trying to be smug or anything like that. It's hard to explain to parents and even coach. I mean, even even coaches at times too that haven't seen a high level Division two game up up close and. Uh, look down on it or division three or junior because especially junior college i mean even more importantly but uh that don't understand how good the baseball is yeah we had players that are that were plenty good enough to play at a division one school in one some way shape or form whether it's a middle of the order guy or a you know replacement guy or a pinch hitter or whatever i mean that ultimately is up to them and how much they produce but from a talent perspective, are good enough to play a Division One school and you know make a roster or anything like that. But uh, there's not just a whole uh, whole heck of a lot of difference, and a lot of times there's no difference at all of the very good Division Two player that has a lot of success, and then just your every everyday middle of the road mid major guy. I mean, there's just not a whole lot of difference in it. It, nope. it boils down to just maturity levels and 
being able to handle a little higher level of baseball, but or luck, and a whole lot different. Or luck. <laughs> I mean, luck. I mean, just being being at the right place at the right time. Yep. Yep. That's it. So, well, man, I appreciate everything. I think we got a lot of good stuff in today. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. We'll circle. We'll, we'll circle back here. You know, ho- hopefully sooner than later, and uh, and do it again. For sure, absolutely. I appreciate you having me. All right, I'll I'll see you later, bud. Bye, man.